0: Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's Weekly Sermon Podcast. Often, when we think of our neighbors, we think of people who live near us. But in this installment of the series, Kingdom Lenses, Jesus gives us a new worldview for who our neighbor is and how we are to relate with them in his kingdom. I have lived a number of different places. This is not the only place I've ever lived. You all probably know this if you know me at all. I grew up in rural Pennsylvania. Um, actually, it wasn't even that rural. It was more woods. Uh, the very first neighborhood that I ever lived in, uh, we had a house and pretty much national forest basically surrounded our entire neighborhood. And our yards were big. So, so we had this wonderful, lots of room for campfires to to go out hiking, to go swimming in the creek, all these different kinds of things. That's what I grew up in. I loved growing up in the sticks. But then I transitioned to uh, college, which college life and living in dorms and apartments is, it's not describable. Uh, (laughs) Because when young adult men, maybe men, maybe more boys than men, get together, we do stupid stuff, all these different kinds of things. right? And, uh, so, but I went to Nashville and our neighbors were very much other students, but also the, the, the neighborhood, uh, around us was far more urban. Then I moved to Kansas city where I would live in a duplex and then I lived in a two bedroom apartment and then I lived in a studio apartment and studio apartment is legitimately a room and a bathroom. Uh, the two bedroom apartment had a little bit more room. The duplex had a lot of room. And then finally I've, I moved out of apartments into houses, and I've lived in some really wonderful houses. But in each and every one of these places, regardless of whether it was rural or suburban or it was urban, regardless of where I lived, because all those have pros and cons, everyone has our, our, you know, our preferences, right? And here we are now, We're we're in a subdivision. This is a subdivision. And I know that this is a subdivision because I've been into other houses in this area. We all have the same wooden floor. It's funny. Uh, (laughs) A lot of these houses were built at the same time. But regardless of what kind of environment it is, I have had neighbors, right? And how do we define neighbors? We define neighbors typically by the people who live in close proximity to us. Now, again, at home, my neighbors were a little bit further off because we had bigger uh, we had bigger yards. In apartments, I had neighbors below me or right next to me or above me, right? And I could hear them. Like there would be moments when I'd be able to hear my neighbors. In house, again, it, it's, it's all dependent on the property line. And we've, I had different kinds of relationships with our neighbors. For example, in the apartment that I had, the relationship I had with those who lived under me was this. Because they like to get together on Saturday nights with their friends, and they played music. I am a pastor, and I have to be up at five thirty or six o'clock in the morning. Keep it down. <laughs> that was my relationship with them. It wasn't very. Uh, it wasn't very friendly, as you might per se, right? I had some neighbors who I met maybe a few times, and I get this passing. Hey, how you doing? Good. And you just go on your own way. I've had some neighbors where. I've had a very deep friendship, like such a close friendship that we had access to each other's houses. Like I, for one example, um, one of my neighbors, uh, they were Bill and Kay. They would let me, they, they gave me the um, combination to their door lock and I could go in and instead of going to the laundromat every week, I went into their house and I did laundry in their washer and dryer. That was the kind of friendship we had. We would take care of each other's properties whenever we were gone. Right? So, neighbors can be a whole mixed bag. Some of you have some neighbors that you, you really are relating with the whole thing, right? Or some of you have neighbors that are, you're relating with a really great and deep friendship. Your kids play together. You, know, the, you do things together. It's not just this concept of, well, you we live in pro- close proximity to each other. It's far beyond that, Right? But regardless of what your relationships are with your neighbors, typically again, the definition is, "Hey, they look close to us; they're our neighbor, right?" Today, as we look to continue our series, Kingdom Lenses, we are going to find out that that term neighbor is not what we think it is. It is defined differently than what we think it is, because. Jesus, in his teachings, and we've been talking about this over the past few weeks, right, told everybody, hey, I'm bringing a kingdom. I'm bringing this relational realm, how you are to live, how you are to relate with other people. I am bringing this kingdom into this world. And everything that Jesus did, everything that Jesus taught, everything from start of ministry to his death on the cross to the resurrection to the ascension had to do with this kingdom. And he has taught about this kingdom a number of times throughout his ministry. A lot of times he would use what they call parables, stories, to give a meaning, to give an understanding of what that kingdom is like. Very often you will see Jesus saying, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is like, and he would say, Like last week, yeast, right? Yeast and bread. We talked about that briefly. But today, he actually doesn't look to teach a big group of people. Actually, somebody comes to him asking him about the kingdom, asking him about this relational realm that he is bringing, asking about just what does this kingdom look like for me? And so today we're going to look at what Jesus has to say about our neighbors and what, what a neighbor actually is and how we are to relate with our neighbors. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open them to Luke chapter 10. It will be up on the screen as well. And the most awesome part about Jesus is just he, he radically blows our worldviews up whenever he speaks. And he does it in such unexpected ways. And so as you read this alongside me, read very, very intentionally, very carefully, because Jesus does something in this text that surprises all of us. It surprised me this week. I was like, oh, I know what this is about. No, actually, I didn't. And that's the beautiful thing about God. So a legal expert, before I even go any further, a legal expert is basically a lawyer who is also it's a Jewish lawyer. You have to remember that Jesus lived in the first century and he himself was a Jew. Okay? A legal expert would be a very good expert in not just civil law, in other words the laws of the land, but also religious law. So he knows a lot. He knows the book. He can throw the book at anybody, okay? You, you get what I mean by that? You ever been a, had a book thrown at you, Savannah? Oh, that, that surprised me. Uh, I'm sorry somebody did that to you. <laughs> so in either case, I, sometimes when you just you open it up, you're just surprised, right? Just like when you open up scripture, you're surprised. So he, he could throw the book at anybody and be able to argue anything. He knew it all. So he comes up to Jesus, and this is what we read in verse 25. It'll be up on the screen for you here. Got it up on the screen there? A legal expert stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to gain eternal life? Now, right before we go any further, that question is a loaded question because basically Jesus has been talking about this kingdom where life never ends. So he's picked up on this. So essentially what this this legal expert is saying is, hey, how do I get into your kingdom? How do I live in this kingdom? How How does this kingdom look? He's asking about the kingdom. Jesus replies to him, what is written in the law? How do you interpret it? And he responded, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. Now, here's something I I want you to hear out really fast, okay? The concept that you hear in church all the time from Jesus' followers is, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. You hear it all the time. Sometimes it feels like only Jesus said it. But what Jesus says here is, hey, how do you read everything before me? And you will go back into the Old Testament and you will find that very command, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. God has never (laughs) gone away from this message. God has always wanted the world to live in this way. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. That was what the law was about. That what the law was intended to be. But the law had some really specific things about it that people began using as a rationale not to love God and not to love their neighbor as themselves. We're going to get to that here in a second. But Jesus says, hey, what do you know? You know it. Good job. Fantastic. But in verse 29, the legal expert asks another question. But the legal expert wanted to prove that he was right. So he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he encountered thieves who stripped him naked, beat him up, and left him near death. Now, it was just so happened that a priest was also going down the same road. And when he saw the injured man, he crossed over to the other side of the road and went on his way. Likewise, a Levite came by that spot, saw the injured man, and crossed over to the other side of the road and went on his way. A Samaritan, who was on a journey, came to where the man was. But when he saw him, he was moved with compassion, and the Samaritan went to him and bandaged his wounds tending them with oil and wine and then he placed the wounded man on his own donkey took him to an inn and took care of him the next day he took two full days worth of wages and gave them to the innkeeper and he said take care of him and when i return i will pay you back for any additional costs what do you think Which one of these three was a neighbor to the man who encountered thieves? And then the legal expert said, the one who demonstrated mercy toward him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. He's expecting just a simple answer. Who's my neighbor? And Jesus goes, hey, I'm going to tell you a story. Story time. (laughs) Why don't you sit down for a second? And you need to understand that this man who is robbed and who is stripped, we do not get any social identifiers for who he is. We think that that's intentional. We think that Jesus said just a man so that anybody who's hearing this can relate. Instead of just saying a Jewish man or a Gentile man or a Samaritan man or a white man or a black man or yada, 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 just says a man. So that you can really resonate with this person. And so this trip that he's taking from uh, Jerusalem to Jericho is actually a very treacherous one. It actually, y- y'all like mountains? This was a 2300 drop in elevation. It was a tough, it was a tough road to go on. But it also became a place that was very common where thieves would hide and bull rush you. So this is not uncommon. This story doesn't seem to be that uncommon. What becomes uncommon, what's unexpected, is Jesus talks about a priest who sees this man. And a priest is a holy person, somebody who loves God, somebody who you would expect to stop and do something. And he doesn't. He walks on the other side of the road. And then a Levite comes, okay? Okay. Now, we all have priests still, but we don't really have Levites in our world. So think of a board member for our church. <laughs> a Levite is like a board member of a church or a deacon in some churches, right? In other words, they're leaders. They're leaders in the religious world. This Levite is walking down the road and sees this man and says, yep, have a nice day. And so at first... As you're reading this, is Jesus, does he have like some kind of thing against religious leaders? That's what it looks like at the moment. But then he does something that blows this story right out of the water. He says, then a Samaritan came. And the Samaritan is the one who has compassion and mercy on this man. Now, here's the thing. When you hear Samaritan, you... Your skin does not crawl. But when this legal expert hears the word Samaritan, and the Samaritan is an example of how to live, his skin is crawling. See, Samaritans in the ancient day, their relationship with Jews was very, very, very tense. Samaritans were children, descendants of Jews and Assyrians, mixed marriages, and many believe that religiously this was a sin, that this was wrong, and these Samaritans that began to live alongside Jews were not clean, were not really even as human as the chosen people of God. Jews did not like Samaritans. Oh, also, Samaritans didn't mind worshiping God differently, too. So, you know, they had even more gripes with each other. And you need to understand something. This legal expert has been told his entire life, stay away from Samaritans. They're unclean. And this is why he asks the question. He asks the question, I think, to trick Jesus, but I think he's also slightly curious. Because this is something that is really, really true about first century Judaism. First century Judaism was ordered by boundaries in how Jews were to treat specific people. See these people? Treat them this way. You see these people? Treat them this way. Now, question. When you hear that, do you feel like the law that is summed up in love God and love your neighbor as yourself is being lived out with that in mind? doesn't feel that way at all, does it? No. And because this happened, there was a lot, not, not just tension, there was a lot of inequalities. Their, people were oppressed because of who they were, just because of who their parents were. Remember how I said that the legal expert, his skin is crawling? Probably now your skin is crawling about the legal expert, isn't it? Isn't it? Hold on to that thought. So as Jesus tells this story, this Samaritan, who is a second-class citizen, is the unexpected example of Jesus' parable. The kingdom is like when a Samaritan does this. And what I love about this is that the Samaritan takes care of this man initially. He takes care of exactly what's what's going on. He bandages him up. He puts him on his donkey and all these different kinds of things. However, he's on a journey. He is on his way to another place. He only has so much time in the world. So he comes to the first inn, and what does he do? He says, hey, I found this guy by the road. Take care of him. i got to go. No, he doesn't do that, does he? He gives him Two full days' wages. In Ohio, if if Samaritans lived in modern-day Ohio, Samaritans probably would live on minimum wage. So just for reference, just for reference, okay, two days of wages is $114 of a $342 work week. It's a third of his income for that week. $114 is a lot of money to somebody who lives on $342 a week. That's before the taxes, by the way. <laughs> he not only takes care of this man initially, he gives resources so this man can live after that. And then he says, hey, If it costs more money, I'll be back to give you more. This is doing something that is unbelievable. This isn't just help. This is exceptional help. And what you all are thinking is, Jesus is telling us how to love our neighbor. That's what you're thinking, right? You think, oh, okay, this is how we love people. This is how we do this. No, 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 no. Here's what Jesus does to blow it even more out of the water. Ready? He asks at the end, which one of these three was a neighbor to the man who encountered thieves? He's not saying who loved his neighbor like himself. Who was a neighbor? Who was a neighbor? Friends, friends. Jesus is not defining what love is in this parable. He's defining what it means to be a neighbor. A neighbor isn't a person who lives in close proximity to you. Rather, a neighbor is somebody who you see who needs help, and you have the ability to help them right where they are. To be a neighbor is to do this. Right? Our Alan Culpepper says this, sums it up really well. Anybody who has compassion and stops to help is his neighbor. How many of you feel like you're a really good neighbor all of a sudden? <laughs> so to be a neighbor is to be a person who stops and is with somebody wherever they are to help them whatever is going on, to fulfill their need in whatever is going on. To be a neighbor is not to live close to somebody, is to see a need in somebody's life and just be a decent person. I used to think that being a decent person just meant returning your card at Walmart. No, being a decent person is a little bit more than that. (laughs) John Wesley, who is one of the, the main thinkers of our, our side of, of Christianity, one of the main thinkers that we go to continuously, this is how he defined what a neighbor is. He defined a neighbor as anyone who needs our help, not just a person already a part of our group. There are no boundaries. When we see somebody in help, regardless of, of who they are. To be a neighbor is to be with them and to help them. Because every human being, friends, bears God's image. Therefore, we are bound to one another. We're not bound to the things that we like to define people as. We're not bound to, well, we only help Ohioans, because those Pennsylvanians are, they're stick people. Or those Michiganders. Yeah, some of you need to repent about Michigan fans. You know it. We can't even say their name. Pastor swore from the pulpit. He said Michigan. (laughs) We are not defined by the boundaries of our states. We're not bound by this, the boundaries of our township or city. We're not bound by the boundaries of the United States and other countries. We are not bound by these identities that humans like to put, just like Jews would put on Samaritans, that so many people like to say, well, this person did something wrong, so I'm not going to help them. No, 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 no. To be a neighbor is to help anybody because they are God's child, they bear his likeness and we are bound to one another. And that's tough. There are a lot of other stuff that we can use to say, "Eh, they don't really deserve it. But I want to really mention something else, okay? Remember what the command is. Love God and love your neighbor. So if Jesus is just talking about what it means to be a neighbor, (laughs) what does loving your neighbor mean? Because that sounds intimidating, doesn't it? If being a neighbor is just being a decent person to every single human and helping somebody regardless of what that human has done or regardless who that human is or regardless where that human lives, what does it mean to love our neighbors as ourselves? Jesus doesn't define that in this passage. So in order to be able to understand what loving your neighbor means, you have to pull back from the passage, and you have to consider everything that Jesus does in his ministry. Jesus goes and he meets people where they are, and he's a neighbor to them. He feeds the hungry. He clothes the naked. He gives water to those who thirst. He heals people. He goes to be with anybody, regardless of where they live or where they're from. But then he also does something amazing. He does nothing wrong in his life, and yet he dies for every human that he comes into contact with and every human in the entire world. He gives of himself in love So that every human being would be released from sin and death. What Jesus shows us is in his life and in his ministry and his healings and how he addressed other people and in his death and in his resurrection, he is. Love is not defined by anything that you and I can conjure up together. It is defined by Jesus alone. That's why John, later in the New Testament, has the audacity to say God is love. Because he has seen who Jesus is, that Jesus has shown who God is, and he is love. So to love our neighbor as ourselves means that we are not just to be decent people. We are to give of ourselves for the betterment of others. We are to give of ourselves so that people would not have needs anymore. We are to give of ourselves for the kingdom. If I could sum it up in a really easy way, it's this. Being a neighbor... It's like being the Good Samaritan. If you want to be a neighbor, be like the Good Samaritan, friends. If you want to love a neighbor, loving a neighbor is living like Christ even to Samaritans. Now, you might be saying, well, Samaritans don't have, I don't have any issues with Samaritans. Okay, did the legal expert make your skin crawl? Who makes your skin crawl in the world? We all have them. Some of them we know very personally. Some of them we demonize, blaming them for the reason why the world is the way it is. Think of enemy number one in your mind. Now, are you willing to give your life so that person has life? And now you have just learned what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. That is tough. It is tough. But friends, Jesus doesn't mince words when he talks about how we are to love each other. This is why he says things like, love your enemy. So many people read love your enemy and they said, ah, Jesus just—he was just making a point to those people. No, the kingdom is defined by people who love so much that we would do whatever it takes that even our enemy would be cared for and loved. That's the radical kingdom that Jesus has brought. Oh, and there's one other thing here too. (laughs) You ready? Don't forget the first part of it. Love God. So not only are we talking about our neighbors, the people in our world that need our help and we are to give ourselves to them, we are to love God. For some of us, God isn't even our neighbor. (laughs) He isn't. We don't give God a time of the day. We just think of God as a passing moment. And you know, I'm going on my day. Oh, but Man, something bad happened. Hey, God! No, it's not like that. Love God in such a way that you would do anything for him and sacrifice your very life for what he wants in the world. Do we spend time? Do we talk with him? Do we look to see who he is by opening this book and understanding that what he has done in the past is found here? What's our Sundays look like? Is church something that, if I feel good, I'll go, or is it something that we intentionally make as an opportunity to open our lives to God because he loves us so much that we can't not be in his presence with the people he has given us to love? Loving God, Loving neighbor. This is why people are willing to say this about what love really is. They're willing to say this, right? How we love our neighbor is how we love God. How we love God is how we love our neighbor. These are intertwined, friends. You cannot love God and not love your neighbor. You cannot love your neighbor without loving God. can't. You won't do it. You will not love your neighbor if you don't love God. (laughs) you got plenty of other things to do. You have your own life to worry about. You have your own finances to worry about. You have so much to worry about for yourself. But the kingdom that Jesus has brought is oriented to giving ourselves to God and to our neighbor. All times and all places. When I was thinking through this passage, I immediately remembered a neighbor to me, and this wasn't somebody who lived close to me. In fact, this person lives lived in Pittsburgh, and all Browns fans everywhere, Pittsburgh. Can anything good come? From? I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> right? It's a joke. People from Pittsburgh are awesome. Um, This person lived in Pittsburgh, and he was alive during the times that TV became, became a normal part of every household. It was a medium that you could get a message to mass amounts of people. And he saw this as an amazing opportunity to do something, to be a neighbor to the world. And so this ordained presbyterian minister who went to college I think I think originally he went to college for music I think I think that's right started a TV program that involved him writing out the songs him writing the script and him being the host of this show to be a neighbor to children everywhere You know who I'm talking about Fred Rogers Fred Rogers, who had this unique ability to understand exactly what kids need to learn something. Did you ever notice, friends, that not only did the show involve imagination in those puppets, and I look back at those puppets and I'm like, they're not good looking puppets. They're not the best looking. Really, like objectively, these aren't. But the reality is, as a child, You'd be caught into the story of the king and all these different folks, right? And you would learn something through that story. And then it was bookended by something that many people were like, why did he do this every time? He would come in, right? He would take off his jacket. He'd put it away. He'd put on a sweater. He'd come and sit down. He'd take off his shoes and put on his slippers, right? And at the end, he'd do the same exact thing in reverse order, right? He understood that children, to learn, don't, can't just have this imagination go wild and free, but also need structure. They need distinct structure to be able to process and to feel comfortable learning something new. Fred Rogers wanted to be a neighbor to every human being. And this is how I know it, because he said this so often. There is no person in the whole world like you, and I like you just the way you are. There were no boundaries. I like you just the way you are. You don't need to change for me. I like you just the way you are. And some of us said, oh, that's, that's him just coddling children. No, this is the message of Christ. I like you just the way you are. But then Jesus goes even further and says, I almost, and I love you too much though to stay the way you have been too. But this is the start of that. He looked to love everyone. And if you ever encountered Fred Rogers in real life, he would give you the time of day. His, his, who he was, was almost, he played a character, but he barely played a character. He played himself. He really believed to be a neighbor to somebody is to meet them right where they are. And it's why Fred Rogers, in the midst of the years that he was on television, looked to address things that shook us as a collective nation. You know that he came on after the assassination of JFK trying to help children understand what it means to lose somebody. Death. This is big stuff dealing with. He, When divorces skyrocketed, he even tackled a, seeing how a child would feel in the midst of their two parents leaving each other. He, he spoke out against injustice when segregation was still a thing. He had his African-American, I think it was either a sheriff or police officer come in and they shared. Nobody, nobody really saw this but they put their bare feet together into a pool because de-segregate, or segregation would say, hey, white people swim in this pool, black people swim in this pool. And he does this in a subversive way to show what it means to be a neighbor to somebody who is different from you. When 9-11 happened, he was even in the twilight of his career. He came on and inspired us not to give in to the fear but rather to still see each other as a neighbor. He is a great example of what it means to be a neighbor, friends. To go to people right where they're at and helping them right where they're at. And he gave his entire career to this I would say there was some love there I would say that he looked to love everyone as he loved himself so friends does Jesus' words about his kingdom surprise you does it punch you in the gut does it challenge you does it inspire you to maybe to begin to see people as Jesus sees them that every person regardless what they have done is a neighbor regardless how many laws they have broken they are a neighbor Regardless of if they're from that country, they're our neighbor. Regardless if they play the music loud on Saturday nights, our neighbor. That person who doesn't cut their bushes, our neighbor. That person at the side of the road who has a flat tire is your neighbor. That person who has a different political affiliation than you is your neighbor. That family member who you cannot forgive is your neighbor. Hear it out, friends. We often think, oh, my number one enemy is, and we don't treat our in-laws at all, close to in at all. They're your neighbor. Would you have the courage to live as Jesus lived, to love as he loved, to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you were inspired by this week's message. We would love for you to join us on a Sunday morning for our service, which begins at 1030 a.m. We are located at 3924 High Street Northwest in Warren, Ohio. For more information about our ministries or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, please visit us at championnaz.org.